of Acts, to the book of Acts, the 20th chapter, and that's kind of where we're going to spend a little time today. Uh, last week, I, I sort of talked to you about uh, the importance, I talked to you about the importance of, of the church, talked to you about the importance of the church, talked to you about the importance of the church, and in fact, what the ch who is the church? There we go. I was hoping you were going to say, I am. Yeah, there you go. Who is the church? I am. I am. I am. So, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we're like, man, the church, man, the church would do this. The church would do that. You know what you're really saying is, is if I would do this, if I would do that. Amen. A lot of times we have a tendency to assign blame and we hold accountable and we make responsible what we call the church. But the truth of the matter is, is touch yourself. Say, I'm the church. I'm the church. I'm the church. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Huh? Do you believe that? You're the church. So remember now, when you start talking about the church, who are you talking about? <laughs> you talk about yourself. And remember, we said the church is not a what? Church is not a what? It's not a building, and it's not a what? It's not a service. Like, what we're doing right now is not having church. We are the church. I'll tell you what we're doing right now. We're having worship. Amen? Amen? We're having worship. But church is something completely different. Church is not a noun. Church is a verb. Church is a verb. Amen. And that's something that we do. That's who we are. And so in this series, Rethink the Church, what we're essentially doing is, is we're going through the four stages of church history. Now, some of y'all like, I ain't like history in high school. I don't like it now. And that's cool. But I'm just going to help you out. Like my daddy used to help me out when I was a kid. My daddy was like, if you don't know your history, then you ain't going to know who you are. And you ain't going to know where you're going. Amen? Amen? A lot of times we're bored by the important stuff. Satan loves for us to get excited about the stuff that doesn't matter. But the truth of the matter is, is we need to get excited about the things that matter. And this information that I've been sharing with you is very clear, just really on where the church is, where it's going. And if I'm going to be a part of something, I think I ought to know what it's about. I was sharing with the first service that uh, I got a buddy of mine, well, he's a friend of mine. And by the way, it's good to have friends that don't believe everything you believe in. Amen. I got a friend of mine who's studying to be a Mason. And, uh, you know, they're making him study, like, all the history. And then I got friends of mine who are, who are in Greek organizations and fraternities. And when you join these fraternities, you got to know the history. This is amazing to me that folks join the church. They have no idea how it got started. They, know, they have no idea where it's going. I'm just a part of the church, right? And understand, if you're going to be a part of the church and know what the organization is about, it's important to know how the organization got started, this thing, and we understand very clearly that there are four movements, four areas of church history. First one, the church was what, everybody? It was formed, then it was what? We're going to talk about that today. Number three, then it was what? By the way, most of us in here, if you're a Christian, you consider yourself, you're not Catholic, that means you're a Protestant. And a Protestant is just another name for somebody who protests against a certain system of beliefs back in Back in the day, they were like, man, we're not going with this. And so they reformed against the system. And then finally, we're in this area right now of Earth's history where we're trying to restore the church back to Jesus' identity. If the church is going to be everything that God wants it to be, then we have to go back to what, y'all? We got to go back to what? We go back to the Bible. Now, I'm just saying this. I'm not hollering yet. I'm not saying nothing. But what I'm saying is it means a lot. Like, you, you can't really be a strong Christian and like, like not be a Bible student. Do you hear what I'm saying, y'all? Like, what I'm doing for you right now is basically throw up. Yeah, yeah. What I'm doing for you right now is regurgitation. Yeah, it, God gave me something, 
I'm chewing it, I masticate on it, I enjoy it, then I give it to you. But I got it on my own. Y'all not hearing me. It's good, and guess what? It'll nourish you, but it's better when you get it yourself. Some people love the sermon. Some of us love preaching more than we love Bible study. That's a problem. What you're enjoying is somebody else telling you what you could have found out on your own. There's nothing wrong with good preaching. Come on, say amen. amen. I'm about to drop it in a second, but I'm telling you right now, what's better than me telling you is going to find out for yourself. And we are not trying to start a church in Euclid where we have a bunch of people depending on a personality. We ain't running this thing like, if pastor not there, I ain't coming. Like, go to another church if you're trying to do that. We're trying to raise healthy people here, strong people here. Pastor, how does that happen? I got to get in the word for myself. And one of the things you'll discover about church history is, as the church began to get deformed, it got deformed when church folks stopped studying the Bible. And I'm going to show you so many. I can't wait till next week. I'm going to show you everything that's wrong with the church. And it didn't just get started. It's been here for a little while. Watch this. One of my favorite writers, Ellen White, says this. She says, we have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. In other words, that's basically saying this. You are going to get in real trouble when you start forgetting where God has brought you. You can't know where God is taking you unless you give constant reminder to where God has brought you. Why don't you look at your neighbor right now and say, don't forget where God has brought you. Tell him right now. Say, don't forget. Now look at somebody else and tell him, the Lord has brought me a mighty long way. And I'm not going to forget about it. Come on now, let's give the Lord a hand praise on that right now. If you know that the Lord has brought you, come on in here somebody. If you know that the Lord, can somebody wave your hand? If you know that you was a mess back in the day, but Jesus, the Lord has brought you a mighty long way. All right, so last week we, we talked about the church getting started, being formed. And uh, somebody moved that for me. Um, for, uh, okay. And uh, we looked at a couple of things. First, we realized that the church, I got it. The, first, the church is whose idea, everybody? Jesus' idea. The church wasn't the preacher's idea. It wasn't man's idea. Jesus decided, I'm going to bring a bunch of crazy folk together and have them to change the world. Only Jesus would think of something like that. Can you imagine if you started the church? <laughs> it wouldn't be nobody but you in it. Come on, first of all. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be nobody good enough for the church except you, right? Number two, the second thing is, is uh, he, pro he predicted that hell would attack the church. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What that basically is saying is, is that hell is going to try to mess up what I started, but, the he but hell ain't going to win. Come on, say amen. Now, some of y'all are still thinking about the organization and the building, but I want you to think about your own life. How many can testify today that the devil has come at you with everything he's got, but he ain't won yet? Matter of fact, if you still got life in your body and you still don't understand what the word Jesus means, wave your hand and thank him right now. Because the Lord has not allowed the devil to overcome you. Some of us deserve to have Satan to overcome us because the truth of the matter is when you was acting crazy and clowning and acting a mess and a, and a hot mess at that and a fool and crazy, how many know it was nothing but the grace? It wasn't because you were calling on Jesus. It was because Jesus was calling on your name. Amen? Amen? Oh, man, that's good news. So he predicted. He said, look, the church, that's my idea. Let's get that straight. So if you're going to do church, you better check with me first. 
All right, number two, we also discovered that hell will attack the church, but it's going to fail. He says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And then we also discovered, uh, number three, that you, in fact, are the church. All right, so let's get into how the church got jacked up, because we did know, we started with Jesus, but if anybody's ever read the book of Acts, you saw some amazing stuff in the book of Acts. And remember, y'all, they didn't have technology. Like when the church got started, they didn't have cars. You know what I'm saying? When the church got started, they didn't have sneakers. Like they was walking in sandals all over the world. When the church got started, they didn't have cell phones. When the church got started, they didn't have, they didn't have typewriters, y'all. When the church got started, they didn't have the printing press. But in less than 20 years, God used 12 people to change the world. Now, what's the difference? The difference is, is what drove them is not what they knew, but who they saw. Some of us are driven simply by doctrine, but we're not driven by what we've experienced. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if your Christian experience is only based on denomination and, and, and what, what, what pastor taught you and what you learned in the series, then your Christian experience is going to be dead. But I'm telling you, when you're like the disciples and you saw somebody that was dead come to life, can't nobody shut you up. Can't nobody keep you quiet. Ain't no, ain't, ain't no praise service on the planet where you're going to be sitting down and being still. Come on in here, somebody. When the Lord has worked miracles in your life, how can you be quiet? I mean, who can shut your witness up? Some of y'all ain't told nobody about Jesus in years, for real, because you're scared. But when he done saved you from death itself, or like the apostles, when you saw somebody that was alive, was dead, you saw him die. And then the next thing you know, he's alive with all power in his hands. That's what pushed the early church. They saw Jesus alive who was dead, but now with all power in his hands. And all I'm trying to tell you is, is you need more than this to motivate your walk with God. You need something deeper than that. You need an experience. What crazy testimony do you have right now? What amazing miracle has God worked in your life that's going to push you out of just being so lazy when it comes to God? Does anybody ever get tired of your own self? You're just like, I know God wants me to do more. I know God wants me to tell more. I know God. I mean, some of you should have wrote book two, three, four, five, six. Some of you should have produced. Some of you should have written. Some of you should own. There are so many things that God has inside you that he wants to do in you. But for whatever the reason, fear for whatever the reason, excuses, for whatever the reason, we are just sort of like parked. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move. Ready to move. And look, I'm trying to be a part of a church that's moving. I'm not trying to be a part of a church that just that comes and we're going to worship every week, we're going to praise, we're going to hear our pastor, and we're going to go home and do nothing and live like hellions for the rest of the week. We ain't trying to roll like that. I don't know about you, I'm trying, every person that breathes, I want them to know Jesus. Every person, every, per, every person that's a lie, I want him to know him like I know him. Come on in here, somebody. Every per, I don't care who that, Pookie, Ray Ray, his cousin, I don't care who it is. I don't care if they slinging. I don't care if they turning tricks. I don't care what they doing. I want everybody to know about Jesus. After what he's done in my life, I want everybody to know that there is a risen Savior. I want everybody to know that there's somebody who's got so much power that he can look at demons and demons tremble at his very presence. I want everybody to know about Jesus. And I want to be down with a church that's designed. Now watch this. There's some predictions in the Bible, some predictions. Uh, uh, another word for predictions, if you want to use like Bible language, is prophecy. Now check this. Let me blow your minds. There are literally prophecies in the Bible 
that predict that the church was going to get jacked up. That the church was going to lose its way. There's literally, and I want to show you right now, watch this. Paul, Paul who was like, if you, if you talk about Christianity and you talk about the guy, the leader, other than Jesus, you got to talk about Paul. The apostle Paul, <laughs> homeboy was a murderer. And then, look, I, I love how this happens. Some of us ain't this patient with people. Matter of fact, we want people to take longer than this. Paul was murdering one day. The next day, your boy Paul was preaching. <laughs> no, seriously, he was killing people one day. The next day, Holy Ghost got a hold of him, and now he's preaching. And then he becomes the man of the church. And the church can't even receive him. They don't like him because his ways are too radical. But Paul did more for Christianity than any other human being other than Christ himself. And they say, by the way, I'm just telling you now, they say that Paul was blind and he was an invalid. But your boy Paul traveled the then known world almost to every continent sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I, I, for every person out there that's making excuses about your situation, I want to uplift to you Paul right now. Paul, no, he ain't had no carb, but Paul had a desire that he wanted people to know about Jesus. I want you to hear what Paul has to say. Watch this now. The Bible says in verse 22 of Acts 20, y'all help me right now. The Bible says, and now, compelled by the what? I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul's already saying, look, I don't know what's going to happen to me. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit does what, y'all? Warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul says, I, this thing is real. Like, I'm not just doing this for fun. Like, I'm facing death every day and prison and hardships. Verse 24, however, going back, back up for me. Back that slide up for me, uh, Marnie. However, I consider my life worth what, y'all? Only, my only aim is to do what? To finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Watch what Paul said, y'all. Paul was like, look, I'm at a point right now where very few things matter to me except just finishing the purpose that God has for my life. How many are there right now? How many, you, you tried money, you tried relationships, all that kind of stuff. How many at a place right now where it's like, I just want to live on purpose. I just want to do what God's called me to do. Ain't no happiness and nothing else. The only peace in life is doing what God said. Watch this. And what was his purpose? The task of doing what, y'all? Testifying to what? The good news of God's grace. Uh, slide, slide those slides for me, Martin. My, my remote's not working. Therefore, he says, I declare to you today that I am, uh, uh, go, go back for me. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. Paul's saying, look, I did what was right. And ain't can't nobody accuse me of wrongdoing. I, I did what God told me to do. Verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves. Watch that, y'all. And what, y'all? And all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, here it is. I put this in yellow because that means it's important. Watch what Paul says. Watch this prediction. Watch this, y'all. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Watch what Paul is doing. Paul's saying, yo, things are God's blessing right now, but I'm telling you, when I die, expect the church to go in the wrong direction. Everybody just catch that? Did you just catch that? All right. Go to the next text. Verse 30. Even from your own number, people from within the church. 
men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31. So be on what, y'all? Say it again. Be on what, everybody? Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Last verse. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Go to the next slide. Notice what Paul, Paul is just like, yo, I'm begging you right now, just as soon as I, just like I'm standing here preaching to you, if I could be Paul for a minute, I promise you that just as soon as something good happens, now, I want to show you the lie of this idea. Paul is basically saying, man, I'm telling you, Satan hates what God is doing, so expect wolves to come in. And then he said, man, there's even going to be some folks among your own people. Now, let's, real, let's talk for a minute. Man, outsiders ain't never bother me. Man, the real pain of life is folks that you know. Folks that's supposed to love you. <laughs> Folk in the world ain't really never really hurt my feelings. But to be hurt in church, to have family members to, to mess over you, y'all. <laughs> and so one of the things that I've just kind of been thinking, and it's just, maybe it's just me, but does anybody ever kind of feel like this, that the minute something good happens, something bad is going to happen? <laughs> no, seriously. How, how many of you, like, when, especially you get a little blessing, you like, you barely can celebrate it because for real, in your mind, you're like, man, this ain't going to last very long. Something bad is about to happen, right? And you almost kind of feel like, man, I, I'm not even worthy of this blessing, man. There ain't no way God want me to enjoy it, so he's he about to let some stuff happen to me. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I'm a preacher. I'm saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, I, I love the word. I'm ordained. I wrote a book, all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, man, I worry. Like, I, just, I struggle with worry. I struggle with worry all the time. As a matter of fact, after we did this big thing in Euclid where we preached and lives were, were changed, man, I had to start in my mind. The devil came to me. He was like, I'm going to get your family. You get your wife, get your kid, killing all of them. He's like, every time you separate from them, he's like, I'm, I'm going to run that car off the road. Uh, you know, somebody's going to roll up in that house. They're going to get you. You know what I'm saying? It's like the devil. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm the only one. But it's like, man, these mind games that Satan be running with you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, as soon as God does a, a, a work in your life, then you, be, then you, be, you start feeling like you deserve these bad things. No, for real. You feel like, man, I'm just getting what I deserve. Let me just help you out right now. I've said this a thousand times, but hear me when I say this. Like, if anything bad has ever happened to you, it ain't God. Like, no, for real. God ain't punishing you. If God was to punish you, you'd be dead. There's no such thing as, I, I lost my job, God punished me. No, if God punished you, you would lose your life. Somebody ought to praise him right now. He ain't punishing nobody yet. Judgment has not happened yet. Understand, brothers and sisters, but, but I'm telling you, it's like, I don't, I mean, I'm just really trying to see if I got anybody to tell me. Like, like, do you ever go through these mind games? Some, does, does the enemy bother you sometimes? Like, you see, you see, you see, yeah, 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 yeah. You got baptized, but, but man, oh, man, I, I got your son. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got married, but, but your kids, uh, I got your kids. Yeah, you got that job, but I still got your finances. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, like the, you, it's hard to even enjoy, Lord. 
It's hard to even enjoy the blessings of God because the enemy's always playing with your mind, trying to make you think that you that, that you will not enjoy these blessings will not last very long and something bad is going to happen. But let me rephrase this for you. Let me rephrase this. My wife taught my kids this scripture, first scripture she ever taught them. To memorize, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from who, y'all? Comes from who, everybody? So, so I, I've learned not to believe this, and I need you with me now. I've learned not to believe that when good things happen, expect bad. What I've learned is, is when God things, because everything good that has ever happened in our lives, we need to celebrate right now. If there's ever been a good day, it was God. If you ever had a good conversation, praise him. If you ever did a good thing, it wasn't you, it was God. Come on, say amen. Uh, no, 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 come on now. No, no. We've got to learn to give God credit for every good. Thank you, Shanae Edmonds, for teaching Camden and Taylor from an early age. Every good and perfect gift doesn't come from your mama and daddy. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And before you can even appreciate what I'm saying, I need somebody to appreciate that some good stuff, some God stuff has happened in your life and testify right now that it didn't happen because you were smart enough. It did not happen because you were wise enough. It didn't happen because you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps, Republicans. I don't think so. If I'm blessed, it's because God did it. If I'm alive, it's because he's keeping me alive. If I'm in my right mind, it's because I, it's not because I didn't choose to go crazy. How many know you should have gone crazy after all you've been through? But wave your hand in the air if you know that God kept you when you couldn't keep yourself. It was God. Like we need to buy into that. But 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 let me just tell you right now. Let me tell you right now when when God things happen. Uh oh. Let me just ask real quick, because y'all look bored. I don't care. Any God things happen in your life lately? Mm, I'm not convinced. Some of y'all take for granted every day that you go to work. Just had a friend the other day. 38, drop dead, massive heart attack, physical therapist, health and wellness expert. He had just started his job as a professor of the Allied Health Department at Oakwood University. He had been there for one week, just moved his family to Huntsville, Alabama. Second week of class, after a consecration service where they prayed over all the teachers, he walked out of there, walked into his classroom, said he wasn't feeling well, dropped dead. I'm going to work today. You may not come back. Anything good happened to you? Yes. Let me ask you again. Anything God happened to you? Yes. Lord is getting me to a place now where it don't take much for me to shout. I start looking at shoes. and Come on in here. I'll start looking at clothes that I don't wear. Come on, y'all. Oh, I know you got it like that. You can change, you can change clothes with the seasons. God bless you. But how many, how many just praise him you got a place to go in the winter? Some of you complaining about your car. Look at homeboy who don't got no car. He wish he had your dilapidated lemon piece of junk. And you up there complaining about it, but you better thank God you got something. Come on in here. 
Some of y'all complain about tithing. There's people with no money that want to tithe. And if they had the money, they would tithe. And God gave you two incomes and you won't do nothing with it. Y'all not hearing me in here. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And when, thank you God, and when, I'm going I'm, I'm to wake y'all up right now. And when a God thing happens, expect something big. What big, pastor? Expect a big attack and expect a big breakthrough. Now, I'm not trying to scare nobody in here. Please, please don't hear me. Please, this, this is all I got to say today. I'm not trying to scare you, but listen. When there is a move of God in your life, here comes Satan. This, this is how most of us are living our lives right now. Lions, demons, everything just around us. We just, <laughs> hey. When you get blessed by God, okay, I promise you, you are going to be severely attacked. There's a sister sitting in here right now whose name I will not call. And as soon as she gave her life to Jesus, her life didn't get better. It got worse. And so if y'all want to go around here and tell her, listen, this preacher is not, this, I, ain't, I ain't like, I'm not like the televangelist that's like, you, you, I mean, I'm 39 years old. Give me a $39 seed and your whole life's going to turn around. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. You come to this church, I'm about to lose some members right now. Here we go. You come to this church, you give your life to God, you begin to try to serve him. Here comes Satan. Now, if you don't want to be bothered by the devil, go to another church. But here's a good word. Here's a good word. He's going to come after you. He's going to bother you. But watch what Christ said. Christ said, he said, even if hell comes against you, it ain't going to prevail. <laughs> See, one, one thing I cannot promise you. I cannot promise you that life's going to be easy. I cannot even promise you that when you serve the Lord, that your blessings are going to look like good things. One thing I've discovered is, is when you serve God, your blessings a lot of times look like bad things. Did not Paul, Paul, see Paul understood this because see Paul joined a Christian church that was in the heat of persecution. Let me drop three points on you real quick and get out of your way. There are three things that Satan did to the church that he does in all of our lives to get us to quit on God. As soon as God does something in your life, Satan's coming to make you quit. First thing that happened. First thing that happened was persecution. <laughs> uh, watch what Peter says. Peter says, humble yourselves. Read this, y'all. Therefore, under the mighty hand, uh, but under God's mighty what? That he may do what? So watch this. If you, if you, if you humble yourself, God going to lift you up, right? Right? The way up is down, right? How many have experienced that, uh, an up moment in your life? You got at least one. How many got at least one up moment in your life? All right? You got that, right? But watch this. Uh, move that for me, Martin. Uh, uh, seven, I got it. There. Cast all your what? Or all your worries on him because he what? Now, here's the good news about that. <laughs> in other words, it don't matter how bad it gets. God is not going to let go of his care even in the middle of your storm. 
Have, has anybody ever let their kids suffer? You ever let your kids suffer before? Oh, y'all must be spoiling y'all kids. <laughs> listen, man, we intentionally, we, listen, man. Look, we intentionally cause suffering for our children. Now, we ain't going to let them die. Oh, I'm, I'm not, come on, I ain't going to let them die, amen? I ain't going to let them die, but I will push them to the brink. And at the end of the day, they're going to know I still care for them. You're not, the Bible says you're not even, you're not even a child. Please don't, okay, we got some kids are in there, so I can be real. Matter of fact, you read Hebrews, Paul, uh, Paul says this, who I believe is a writer of Hebrews. Paul says, if, if you are not chastised by God, you're a bastard child. He, he says, he says, he says a, a, a child with a real parent is going to get disciplined. When you're an absentee parent, you, don't got the, you ain't got the presence to even teach your kids nothing. But how many know your mama loved oh, look, My mama would take that belt, Lord have mercy, and the wooden spoon that I talked about last week. And she would go up one side, down the other, and say, I'm doing this because, I said, the devil is a lie. You do, you're a demon possessed. <laughs> the, only, the only person that would be swinging, the, I mean, after all of that, looking like the poltergeist, like, after all of that, then you, I, I'm only doing this because I love you. And it was hard to receive at the moment, but how many can embrace right now? You're in the middle of something. You're going through a crisis. You're experiencing hardship. You're in the middle of a trial. I got a word for you. Guess what? That doesn't mean that God's not with you. That means that he is your daddy. Because a daddy is going to allow some stuff to break loose in your... Watch. Go to that, uh, move that slide for me, sweetheart. Move that slide. Move that slide. Verse 8. Watch what he says. But here it goes. Here it goes. He says, but be alert. Does it say be afraid? No. You see, that's my problem. How many struggle with fear? Tell the truth. How many struggle with fear? Some of y'all, I ain't scared of nothing, for real. Right. <laughs> you're, lie. You ain't, you, you, you're, you're scared to admit that you ain't scared of stuff. That's what you're afraid of. That's what you're really afraid of. But watch what he said. He said, be alert and be sober. You know what I'm saying? In other words, he's saying, look, he said, I'm not telling you to be afraid because I'm helping somebody out right now. You don't have to. We're not afraid of the devil. I got a call yesterday, a text message yesterday. Remember I sent a one call out to the entire church saying, pray, dealing with somebody with demon possession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm scared of the devil? Is he, is he defeated? Does the Bible say when I mention the name of Jesus that he trembles? What I'm scared for? Oh, I know why you're scared. You're scared because you feel like you're unworthy. And if you're unworthy and you got sin in your life, then you can't fool with the devil. Well, if that was the case, then the devil should have beat your behind long time ago. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. How many, how many ever asked the question, why didn't the devil kill me? He should have because I was out there drunk, high, clowning, acting a fool, being a whoremonger. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. How is it that the devil didn't get you when you was at your lowest moment? The reason why is because of a thing called grace and mercy. And when I did, when I deal with the devil, I don't deal with him in my righteousness. I'm not afraid of him, but I'm alert and I'm sober because I realize when I get blessed, here comes Satan. He says, watch he said, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for somebody to devour. I'm getting ready to close this thing, but I got to say this right now. This is, this is your pastor's, the Lord told me to share this today. 
when you get blessed, when God is moving in your life, first of all, let me say this. I want you to start paying attention to the blessings in your life. Those are signals that Satan is coming. See, many of you are shocked when you see Satan because you didn't know you was getting blessed as much as you was. Pastor, I wasn't even even doing anything. I was just trying to serve the Lord. I had just started coming back to church. I was starting to read my Bible. I mean, I had made things right with my children. I started paying child support. I I started handling my business in school. I started doing this, that, and the other. And I wasn't even bothering nobody. And then out of nowhere, all this stuff started happening. Yup. Pastor, I got baptized. I gave my life to the Lord. And then out of nowhere, what, is God mad at me? Nope. Well, Pastor, please explain to me what's going on. Satan is your enemy. And what he's trying to do is persecute you to the place that you give up on God. When you look at church history, Satan did three things. I got to mention real quick. First thing, he persecuted the church. I mean, it's so bad. Hit that slide for me, Marna. Hit that. Marna, hit that slide. Somebody hit that, hit that slide. Go, 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 go to the next one. Go to the next one. So persecution happened. Did, did y'all, y'all ever seen the movie Gladiator? Huh? Y'all seen that? People don't realize. It's a great movie. People don't realize that was real. That was real. And it explains the Colosseum. See, in our day, we got a football team that we go sit and watch. Lord have mercy. We're going to pray on them right now. Amen? <laughs> so we pack, out, we pack out these stadiums to go watch basketball teams, football teams. But in those days, they packed out coliseums to go watch Christians get killed. Thousands. You see this guy? He's on a cross. You got a family right there, and they would loose lions. They would starve lions for days and shoot them. Look, and listen, real real quick point. The church grew the fastest when the church was being persecuted the most. I I, I guarantee you right now, let persecution break out in America, and church is going to start emptying out. Because many of the Christians in America are so used to being coddled, so used to having a good... Look, folks leave in churches because they don't like the preacher's sermons. Folks leave in churches because they don't like worship services. Folks leave in churches because they don't like the way folk dress. Folks leave in churches because somebody hurt my feelings. And in those days, folks were joining the church when they saw folks getting set on fire. Hit that, hit, hit, hit that, hit that, hit that button, like... Uh, this was from a movie about one of the big-time Roman emperors named Nero. When you study history books, you know, Nero, turn that down. We, we don't need the volume. But check this out, man. This is kind of what went down. They would let the, they, they take Christians, put them in the middle of the Colosseum, and they say, I want you right now to recant that you believe in God. And you know what the Christians would start doing back then? they start singing. <laughs> they would start singing praises to God. they start singing the scriptures. And they would stand, the, 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 the emperors and the, the, the big-time folk, they would stand there and laugh at them while lions and tigers and bears. One, one particular instance, they told him a story of, of, of one Christian. They let, his name was Polycarp. They let go of some lions on him. And when the lions got to him, they wouldn't bite him. And then they took out a bear that they had starved for a week. And when the bear got to him, the bear wouldn't eat him. And guess what they did after that? They said, let's just cut his head off. This is what they did to Christians. They jailed them. They persecuted them. They tortured them. They threw them. <laughs> and you mad because it's hot in here. <laughs> 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 
Pastor, the music was too loud. We working on it. We working on it. Chill on that. But are you going to leave on that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Are, are you mad because somebody didn't sit next to you, sit beside you? know what I'm saying? You see how, you see how petty we can be? But in the early days of the church, the church started growing as people started dying. Go to that next slide. Let me show them this real quick. Uh, watch this. Your boy Tertullian, he was a, a, a historian that lived during that time. And this is what he said. He says, the oftener we were mown down, killed by you, the more in number we grew, the blood of Christians is seed. Like every time one Christian died, a hundred would join. And you know why? They would look. <laughs> they would look at somebody getting killed and seeing them not let go of their faith in God. And they said, man, at first I had nothing to live for, but after seeing somebody who's willing to die for what they believe, I want, I'd rather die, I'd rather have something to die for. Man, like, I'm just, oh, can we get some, can we get some tough Christians? Can we get some Christians that's not so petty? Can we have some saints that don't let every little thing bother them? Most of us, pastor included, we would never be a part of that church. They ain't have no buildings. They ain't have no praise teams. Matter of fact, you know where they had worship services? In the tombs. They was worshiping underground. Some are hot. They worshiping underground with dead bodies because they just wanted to praise him. They just wanted to be in his presence. And even though their lives were being threatened, they said, I'd rather be in his presence. Even the Bible says, Paul says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. When you're a Christian, you're not even afraid of death. Amen. Second thing, and I'm going to end on this, go to the last one. Satan could not destroy the early church, and it's the same thing he's doing with you. He's trying to hassle you. He's messing with your health. He's messing with your kids. He's messing with everything. He's just bothering you, fooling with your money. Amen. Some of y'all say, I know I deposited. So now why that, why that thing? Uh, so, <laughs> come on, you're looking at that overdrawn. You're saying, ain't no way. The devil done got in my account. Like, <laughs> like you had to take oil and just start laying on checks and stuff like that. Listen, for real, I was talking to a preacher the other day, and I'm going to try this because he said, man, he got so sick and tired of the devil messing with his money. Translation, making bad decisions. Amen. So, he, so what he did was he took all his bills. He put them on the middle of his bed. He knelt on one side, his wife knelt on the other, and they prayed over him for an hour. And the Lord said he turned that thing around. I don't know about you. There's going to be people all night tonight with their bills on their bed. Y'all not here. And I, have I got anybody here that's willing to at least try that one tonight? But do you understand what I'm saying? Satan realizes at some point, and this is where most of us get lost. He persecutes, he persecutes, he persecutes, he bothers, he agitates, he agitates, he agitates, he bothers, he bothers, he bothers, he agitates, get on your nerves, get on your skin, bother with your children, mess with your health, he bothers, he bothers, he bothers. And what he's hoping is, is that they're going to quit. Some of y'all ain't going to quit too easily. Because see, you have already been to hell once, you ain't going again. Come on, raise your hands, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody, somebody already seen the devil. You already know what the devil, oh, let me talk to this side over here. How many know what the devil looked like? You've been in places where there have been demons. You've been places where the devil almost had you, where you almost lost your life. You said, I ain't going back that way. He can push me. He can knock me over. He can lie on me. Friends can turn their backs on me. But for God, I'll live. And for I'm not that crazy. I ain't leaving Jesus. Satan was like, man, I can't, I can't destroy the church with persecution. So he said, what I'm going to do is join them. 
We'll talk about this next week. Go ahead and play. If Satan can't get you to give up, watch this, don't miss this. He wants to get you to compromise. Can I reframe this real quick? What am I saying? When I used to get whoopings, matter of fact, I got my last whooping at 16 years old. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I think my mom realized, okay, he too big for me to be whooping. Like, I got to find another way. But, you know, the whole, the whole goal of getting a whooping is supposed to deter you from wanting the pain of what you're experiencing. Isn't that right? Isn't that a goal? Like, I don't want that pain no more. Man, understand what's going on here. One of the things that Satan realizes is this. I want to give them as much pain as possible so that they choose not to experience pain anymore. All right, now please don't miss this part, y'all. Please, this is the bombshell right here. Here's the bombshell. Here's the bombshell. I said all this to say this right here. The reason why the church got deformed and started compromising, letting in false doctrines and losing its way is because they were tired of being persecuted. Look at every sin in your life and every sin in your life is connected to, I don't wanna suffer no more. I'm gonna give you a couple examples. You know why people don't return tithe? Because they're tired of being broke. And so they figure, if I tithe, I'm gonna be more broke. And I'm tired of suffering and not having nothing. Any poor people in here know you poor and don't mind admitting it and saying, I'm tired of not having nothing. Come on in here. Like, I'm tired of not having nothing. So I'm going to bust this move right here and take stuff that belongs to God and put it towards me. Why? Because I'm trying to avoid suffering. Okay. All right. Let me give you another example. You lonely. Tired of being lonely. Tired of seeing everybody else get married. Tired of seeing everybody else booed up. Tired of suffering. And so what you do? You compromise and settle for anything. You just, I'm tired. That's what happened. See, the reason why people end up in paganism, which is basically compromise, you know how they end up there? Because they're tired of living righteous. And part of a living righteous is suffering. This is how I, listen. If we really promoted Christianity the way it was supposed to be promoted, we would lose a lot of people. Because don't nobody want to suffer. But, but can I tell you what Marvin Sapp said? Marvin Sapp said, I never would have made it without you. Y'all know that, right? He said, after everything that I've been through, talking about the suffering, y'all know Marvin Sapp lost his wife to a battle with cancer. He says, but, but after all of that stuff, I realize that I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better. Look, no, no I ain't crazy. I don't want to suffer. I'm not praying. I'm not stupid. I'm like, Lord, help me to suffer. No, no, no. I'm not saying bring suffering on me. What I, what I am learning is, is that suffering is like medicine. It ain't good to me, but it's good for me. Oh, come on in here, somebody. And what I have learned is, is I'm closer to God when I'm suffering. I'm closer to God when I'm going through it. 
The minute you start getting blessed, you stop praying. The minute you start getting out of your storm, you stop worshiping. Some of y'all, God knows you need to be in the middle of that thing. Because if you're not in the middle of it, you're not going to keep your focus on God. Is there somebody here today and you are in the fight of your life? You're in the fight of your life. And here's the honest truth. You're tired. Just, just be honest with me. I'm tired, Pastor. I'm tired. Pastor, I'm tired. I'm tired of it being one thing this week. Come on in here, somebody. Am I the only one? And then it's something next week. And then when I come out of that, it's something else. And then after that, it's something else. Pastor, I just want to breathe. Lord says, count it all joy when you're going through it. He says, because these trials and tribulations is, is working something in you. I'm making you better. I'm making you better. You hang in there. And here's the good news. Weeping is going to endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. What I, what I don't need you to do is I don't need you to quit. I don't need you to let go of God. I don't need you to start compromising. Have I got anybody in here right now? You are in it right now. You are going through it. And the devil has been tempting you to compromise. But you just need some prayer to.